Woodley on the beat. Welcome, 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 everyone. This is a very special episode here. We have the lovely Shara Anderson Grant here with us, the founder of Women of Virtue. Shara, how are you doing today? I am actually good, and I'm actually happy to be um, on your program. I'm actually so, excited. So, Shara, the, we, we spoke prior to the podcast, right? We had a very, very engaging and fulfilling conversation, right? Um, but this time we're going to dive a little deeper into really who Shara Grant Anderson is and okay. what makes her... I mean, you're, you, you seem like a very happy soul. And I really respect that because we don't see a lot of bright smiles like this um, every day. So let's get, let's, go right, let's get right into it. So, Shara, I want to know personally... As a businesswoman, as a woman that has a job, right? How did your socioeconomical background affect your professional decisions? Um, one of the things, and I guess it is something that you have to be frank about, you, uh, it, it kind of assisted a lot, um, sometimes negatively more so because you become a little bit timid. Because right. we have been socialized sometimes, especially for from humble beginnings, that you can't afford certain things, don't dream too big, dream within your limitations, because yeah, resources was are there. Was that what you were told? No. Was that what you were told? Um, yes. I had to, the, the thing is that I had to overcome that, because let me backtrack a bit. I am from what you consider humble beginnings, um, right. poor poverty. Um, maybe I'm not as poor or as some persons would, would be, but yeah. I live in East Kingston, and even though I might not have been exposed totally to the garrison, the inner city, because of the household that I'm from, I'm from a Christian household. And you know, sometimes even though you're in an environment, you can be sheltered. But one of the things when I decided to transform my business from a business to a hobby, I had right. to overcome what was voices, voices right. that um, you would hear growing up that you didn't realize that they were there. Right. And one of the things that I had to overcome was the voice that you are afraid to succeed. I don't know if you guys are young, but most of the times in the inner city, there's always this thing, and you hear it in the news, like right. if you rise up, then bad mind kill you or something like that. that. That has always been a lot of the thinking or the mentality that sometimes right. you're exposed to that. If it is that, you know, the crab in a barrel mentality, yeah. if you decide to rise up, you yeah. have that fear. Not only do you have the fear of, ensuring that your business is successful, you're also, you also have to come against the fear that those who within your environment won't like you for being successful. Right. And so that was a real fear that I wanted to succeed, but not enough. You know, you, know, you just want to, and, I, and when I look back in my life over, especially during COVID, because yeah. during the lockdown, you get a lot of time to kind of 
take some time to reflect, you realize that you just do enough, enough to survive because especially when you have a winning spirit in you, failure is not an option, but you don't want to succeed. And so you're kind of in limbo. So you, you don't want to fail, mm-hmm. but you're afraid of being successful. And I think for me, that has been the biggest struggle not my socioeconomic condition that I've had to overcome, but that mentality to say, hey, guess what? I'm going to succeed whether or not you like it or not. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but at least I would feel fulfilled knowing that I actually tried. And I think one of the things that really kind of pushed me even more, I'm not doing it for me. I'm actually doing it for my, my, my younger cousins coming on because I believe in generational curses and I believe in generational blessings. And so one of the curses that I'm adamant to break in my family is that of poverty. And right. so I want to be an example for them to see, to say, hey, it's a point of reference. I, I always believe, even growing up, and that was one of the reasons for me, and, and I'm only sharing it openly now, that I remain in the inner city. Right. Because when I was growing up, most persons, most, um, whenever you pass, they send you to Camperdown, Excelsior, the schools within your community. You right. rarely found that somebody from this community, even if you get 80 or 90, you would go to a Campion yes. or you would go to a Woolmers or you, you go to a traditional high school. Right. And what I found was that the few persons who did, and I guess maybe it's the same fair too, once they were successful, because I have friends who are doing exceptionally well um, right. career-wise, once they're successful, the first thing is to come out of the community. Right. The first thing is to kind of get out um, because it gives you a sense of accomplishment. But for me, from a younger age, I said, I didn't have the example to see Most of the example that I got was from work. When you went to work in the corporate world, there were people your age group that just didn't settle. They didn't settle for they didn't settle for just a job. They didn't settle for for being comfortable with the fact that hey, they come from humble beginning. There's always this competition of wanting more. And so for me, I made a choice that in my community they'll see people not rubbing out them hand middle. They'll see a woman going out, not um, having two, three, four children. The truth is, my friends in my age group would trouble me to ask me, all right, you're going to school all the days of your life. I mean, I remember um, one of my male friends said, from baby born, baby must eat. And that was kind of the mentality in terms of the environment. So so it, it, it does help. It's either... It helps you not to want to be, so you push harder. Um, So it motivates you positively. Right. So in such a a volatile community, as you stated before, because, Mm -hmm. you know, as you said before, certain stigmas are attached to people who are coming out of that um, area, who live in that area, even by the people, right? Mm -hmm. So as it relates to, your secondary and tertiary level education. Um, how did you transition from 
that state of volatility to that tertiary level or that secondary level every day? Because I'm sure it was hard for you, especially growing up in a community like that. Was it? Um, it, it, was, it was hard. The truth is you can't get away from taking responsibility and mindset. Um, the thing is that nothing happens by magic. The truth is for some of us, it's going to be easier than some. I would backtrack a bit to say, like, I was the product of a teenage mother. My mother had got pregnant at 16, had me at 17. I believe for her, it was important that I didn't become a teenage mother. I went to Rollington Town Primary. If uh, In terms of my earlier age, um, I don't think, like, primary school up to maybe grade three, I was doing well, well, well. But I had a teacher in grade four that was adamant. You know, them long-time teachers that were the side, say, all of them class I got passed. Right. Um, those teachers that had inch, they saw something in you. And I went to grade five and I met this lady whose name was Miss Mackenzie. Her class, um, five to six, her class was the type of class that you don't get lunch break. Um, right. And the motto at the school at the time was, I must earn my place. So even though other persons, and I remember her giving, giving us this gem, the heights of great men, reach and kept. We're right. not attained by sudden flight. But they, while their companions slept, were toiling upwards through the night. And I had to work extra hard. And so I passed for Woolmers. Right. But I wanted to go to Campion. But again, with the whole socioeconomic thing, my mother at the time, she mm -hmm. was a cook at Cane Farmers. And for her, and, and it's something that I, I think about because oftentimes, if you're in the inner city, your potentials are limited based on the scope that your parents can see mm. and the vision that your parents can see, which sometimes it's limited. It's like they might see as a dreamer. So for my mother, um, me just going to high school, I was the first in my generation to do that. So that was like a huge accomplishment. You know, you reach a traditional high school and that was it. Um, I wanted to go to Campion, but for her, being a cook at the workplace, the only people who children got to Campion were the executive. So in her head, Campion was like out of my league. So I picked for so, she, so, so is it that she placed a limitation limitation on you? Regarding she, of, yeah, she placed a limitation based on she was worried about how she would be able to facilitate it. Right. Um, she was worried about in terms of because she would have been exposed to one of her very good friends or co-worker her daughter went to Campion so she would have been exposed to the different curriculum activity the different things, the different demand and I guess in her wisdom she thought that I wouldn't necessarily fit in based on what she would be able to provide but right. I passed for Walmers and uh, it was good, but when I was in second form, my mother met into an accident. And mm. that made her ill, um, where she was paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. So the truth is, now I'm faced with, do, do I become a product of my society? Do I become what everybody expects? Because guess what? I'm in the teenage years now. Yeah. Um, my mother is unemployed um we're in a family situation and 
even just to go to school, lunch is a little difficult. And so I made a decision. I worked on the weekend, which right. at Gala Road, meaning, and I said at Gala Road, you know, you go Bulmas, Bulmas girls work in a shop, but you had a shop that was in my neighborhood. And I guess based on how my mother grew me, I was polite and respectful. So the owner would employ me to weigh out flour and sugar right. um, and stuff. So for me, at an early stage, that was what I did as it relates to for lunch money. And then I had this idea to buy Bigfoot. Um, it's some cheese bars, some big cheese tricks to come and sell at school. Right. Was back then, you don't, you don't sell. Selling is illegal, no ignoring and stuff. So what I had to do was to go to school very early in the morning and uh, carry the box of cheese tricks and try to sell it off before class. And that was what I did um, at high school. And I remember also baking cupcakes because it was a choice between doing those little things, um, swallowing my pride because nobody wants to be in that environment and, and appear to be less than. Right. Because it's, I would say, maybe about 80% of the persons who were there are middle to upper class, and then you'd have maybe a 20% at the time at the lower class. So nobody wants to be the girl that sells cheese tricks. Yeah. But it was either, it was either that um, or become the young girl for an old man. Right. You know? <laughs> that was not going to be the case for you, definitely not. Right. So, and, and, and so my choice was to do that. Right. So, so you're... You told us that you had to get up early in the mornings and go to school and not get caught selling cheesesteaks, right? Um, so this entrepreneurial gene, because that's how it sounds to me, right? You almost had the drive of entrepreneur at such a young age, right? Was, was, right. was, it, was it a plan in your mind as it relates to school and entrepreneurship? Was no. there a plan? as it relates to, there's no plan? No, the, the truth is just a matter of survival. Um, right. The truth yeah. is it became a matter of not becoming a product of my, my environment. Right. And I remember, right. you asked the, I remember you asked the question, was it, did my environment help me in terms of pushing me for business? I actually, I wanted to be a lawyer. I actually yeah. didn't have any vision as it relates to in business when I left school I had my subject but again the stigma of the environment nobody really um, I think now it's a lot different nobody wants to hire you in corporate so I had my subject and I needed a job mm -hmm. I remember going downtown and I, it was today I was thinking about it because I am as I said I'm adamant about breaking some some cycles in my generation and I was saying that sometimes despite your best effort despite you wanting more sometimes for some of us we have to push a little harder right. and I remember going downtown to look a job in one of the stores there are many you went to you, you it is so funny mm -hmm. you worked hard to get the qualification for high school because high school is said to guarantee you a job, a good right. job. 
So and here it is. Yeah, good, a, a good job. And here it is that you are now finished with high school, but your address poses a problem. And right. I remember walking downtown and I came across a store called Carousel. And I always talk about it because I, I believe the gentleman honestly didn't have a job. But I went three times because I kind of have a persistence. He kept on saying, come back. But I believe every time I talk about the story, I believe he didn't think I would come back. Yeah. So he thought, he, he thought I would have given up. But by the third time I came back, he told me to just put on my bag and start to work. But because I was a creative person, right. um, I was a little bit able to design up the jewelry so that whenever persons come in, based on how I did the showcase, things would sell. And right. he assisted me. Um, his name is Mr. Shandaram. He assisted me to go back to Exit to go because I wanted more. And so he assisted me to pay, I think it was my first tuition, to right. go to Exit. And he also, to assist me, what he would do is hire me on Saturday. Like I'd work holidays, but the truth is I would get the week pay. I honestly believe he paid me out of his pocket because... Right. When you really look back at it, um, I think that's what he did. And when I went to Exed, no, that was how I ended up in corporate. When I went to Exed, I met this lady, and, I, and I've tried to find her, but I can't find her. I guess some people just come into your life for right. purpose. And the reason I'm saying this is that sometimes when we reach where we consider reach, we forget the persons who help us. We make it seem as if it was something that it is easy and stuff. I remember I was at Exed and she's an older lady. Um, I think she, her name is Ivany. She had sung this song and this is the only thing I kind of remember her by was this song called um, They Say We're Living in a Man's World. But right. unfortunately, I was born a girl, Empower Me. And she was a, a secretary um, in a job at Crown Eagle. And at the time, I think it was summer and she was unable to work. But because I was mature, because I work from second form, third form, I was right. the only kind of friend because, you know, everybody else young and hip and this old lady there, college and stuff. So she asked me if I could work for her. And that's how I ended up in the corporate. It was based on her referral that I yeah. ended up in corporate. And, you know, for me, I had that one entrance that would have assisted you on your, on your resume. Right, right. So... Um, you know, listening to your story, you know, a lot of, especially young ladies nowadays probably are going through the same thing as you right now, you know, and it's not being addressed, right, by probably their elders, their parents, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say probably to a young lady going through the same situation that you did, who needs that extra bit of motivation to try and reach the heights of success that you have? Um... One of the things that I think I had to dig deep is there are always some positive influence around you that would see something in you that you don't see. Right. The truth is you have a choice to listen to the hype or the voices that really mean you good. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. The voices that really mean you good might not necessarily seem attractive at the time, but it normally guides you. Because I think 
I was saying to somebody recently that I realized why I am the way I am is that from a younger age, I was around older ladies. I wasn't around my peer group. And so there were some lessons that they pass on. There were some things that they would teach. And it's a matter of understanding, and I think this is critical, is understanding that things are for season. It won't last forever. Um, what The lack that you're currently experiencing is a season. It's a season where it can push you to either be creative. It's a season that can push you to motivate you and come up with ideas. What I had to do was, as I said, I started baking, never attractive or whatever, but indirectly, it actually helped to build my self-esteem as well. Right. In the sense, whereas I really didn't care what people had to say. Right. Um, growing up, I was the sort of person where if my hair comb a particular way, and you didn't like it. Um, I'm going to wear it like uh, three weeks just for you. Um, so is it that you held, you held your opinion of yourself higher than anyone's opinion of you? Yeah. Right. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. And, um, you know, I, as, in, as it relates to work-life balance, right? Because you said that in the previous conversations that you worked at Sagittarius right? You have this woman of virtue business and you're of the deep religious faith. You're, you're really embedded in Christianity, right? So I would like to know how, how do you manage the nine to five, the business and the religious practices? Is time management the key? Uh, not, not only that as well, but like <laughs> your whole marriage, like you, you manage all of that. Are you, are you a mom as well? Right. Oh, no, I'm not a mom and I'm not married. Oh, you're not married? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I have both parents' names. So I have my father's name and I'd explain to Dennis and I have my mother's name. My mother is Anderson and my father is Grant. Okay. Um, because my mother was sick and, I, and again, some of the decisions that I made, they were conscious decisions. Because my mother was sick, I think we, I, we always laugh and say we switch rules. So she became the daughter and I became the mother. Right. And so along with her and my younger brother, I would assist in terms of helping them financially. And so to kind of, even though you want a child, to add a child to that mix, remember not rich yet, so not wealthy yet, it would right. have been a strain. Plus, though, I'd started Excel, stopped, but I was adamant that I needed to get my first degree. So I had to send myself to UCC to get my first degree. So financially, that was a strain. As it relates to time management, if I am very honest with you, it is still an area that I am struggling with or have, had, have struggled with because I have two, I would say, two flaws that I discovered when I realized about the fear of success and failure. And it was procrastination. And uh, I used to think it was procrastination. So I tried to work hard not to procrastinate. But then the more I tried to work hard not to procrastinate, the more I procrastinated. And so the procrastination came because you didn't want to be successful. Right. You understand? Sorry. So you delay, <laughs> you delay that not, certain that, things. That not wanting 
to be successful? Is, to be too is, successful. To be too successful. Is it a limiting belief in your eye? Do you see that as a limiting belief? Um, it was a limited belief. And I said was. Because at the time when it was there, I didn't realize it. I mm. thought it was you just being lazy and procrastinating. But the truth, when I, when I decided to kind of uncover what was the real issue, it is really that you did, you're afraid to be successful. You're afraid. I used to have this um, theory that I like to be seen but not seen. Right. But something in you, maybe, because I love fashion. So my passion is fashion. And so even though I don't, I like to be seen but not seen, how I dress make you have to be seen. And right. so one of the things that I had to do was kind of change that mindset. The other thing is really, and as I say, it's a work in progress. It is deciding what you're going to focus on and kind of set it. What is priority at the time? So for me, my faith is my foundation. Right. Everything and anything that I have begins and ends with my feet. I could not have survived as a teen with my mother being ill. I could not have survived the rejection of corporate. I could not have survived three quarters of the challenges that right. I encounter without my feet. So, for one, I never compromise my feet. Um, two... When it comes on to career, I really want to be a marketer, one of the best marketers. And so the thing that I've had to learn is that you, we learn different ways. A lot of the times we're told that we learn from actually doing, but you can learn from observing. You can learn from being in an environment. And sometimes the Lord places us in environments so that we can get every information that we can, that when the opportunity arrives, you would have right. been already familiar with it. Right. So was your adversity almost like a trampoline leading you towards your success? Right. Because it, it's actually, ah, as it relates to being in the space, discovering, realizing that, hey, there is so much more. And mm. I resisted the, again to the urge where there are times when people will say because you're a creative and I think maybe that is that is one of the things that helped me to kind of fight really hard because you're a creative persons want to define where you go persons want to define where you should stay when you come from certain environment persons want to dictate that you should stay there right. and so I had to mentally mentally and in terms of trying to navigate the area where I had to say to myself, say, hey, who says that I can't be a businesswoman and a marketer? Right. Who says that I can't live at Mountain View and enjoy my community, be a positive influence to my community and still stand out? Who right. says that the only news that come from Rockford East Kingston has to be gun violence. Who says that? Right. Because I will tell you, there are so many, I, and, and, and I always say, I used to hate Rockford. Rockford East Kingston. I used to hate it. And I say it because it is important for us to understand that not because you hate something doesn't mean that the Lord won't use you to transform it. Right. Sometimes it's that passion that you of dislike that you have that propel you. Um, I hated it for the very reason that 
when I was going to Olmos and I had exam, every June and December, there was always war. I didn't live right. directly in the community, but I lived close enough that I couldn't study at nighttime. Right. Couldn't study at nighttime because the gunshots. Couldn't, my mother was so protective of me, you couldn't go out of the community. So she wouldn't, and again, I guess because of the whole teenage pregnancy, she, I couldn't go to any friend to go say a sleepover. So even though you want to be successful, and I, and I kid you not, every June when it's exam time and every December when it's exam time, there would be gun violence. And then I got saved. I got saved up Rockford and then I fell in love with the children. And when I met them, I decided that no, somebody has to assist them to realize that there's so much more. Right. Because they didn't ask to be born in that environment. They didn't ask that their parents can't afford economically. And the only room they can maybe afford is a one-bedroom in this environment. But they were bright kids. They were bright, bright. kids with bright future and, and stuff. And they have done, because like in our church, we have children who get nine ones um, right. doing exceptionally well. So, yeah. So, um, I would like to know the name, the name of your business, Women, Women on Virtue, right? Where and how did you even ponder that thought for a fashion business? For you know, I, 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 I'm thinking, you know, Women on Virtue. That sounds, that, 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 that to me doesn't sound like a, a, a fashion business. But what is sound like to you? Sounds like a very powerful message. You understand? Okay. There, it, it sounds like there's more than just. It's more than just words, right? Okay. It, it meant it meant something to you, and you wanted to share it with the world. So tell us more about that. Okay. What the actual name is actually "Woman of Virtue Fashions." Okay. So in terms of, well, the fashions is attached to it, but for our registered name is WV Fashion because. When I went to register, somebody had virtue already. So it would have been familiar. So it's actually WV Fashions, but I'm able in terms of like social media and stuff to use Woman of Virtue. Woman of Virtue really, as I said, my faith is really the foundation of everything that I really do. And it comes from the Proverbs 31 woman. Um, and it's also, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. I say it's more than fashion. It's, it, 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 it is a lifestyle and it, it means a lot to me because I believe that um, as women, we have so much more to offer than our body. We have so much more to offer than our beauty. Right. We have a lot of women who are very intelligent, who have a lot to offer. And so I wanted to create a line that would allow you to stand out, to be bold. Um, so to embody what it is to be a woman without being revealing. Okay. Yes, and so, 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 so uh, the woman of virtue, she has presence. Whenever she enters a room, there is a statement on her when she, when she puts on her clothes without being revealing. Right. Yeah, right. Okay, so like, as it relates to um, young people, Shara, that would like to embark 
on a journey similar to yours. You know, you know they they're in a, they're living in a community. You know, it's like they look around, but it's hard for them to see hope. You know, they're trying to be optimistic, but you know, as I'm sure you're aware, individuals can play a massive role in how a child thinks and whether or not the child allows them to have an influence on their life. What would you say to kids or young individuals in a similar circumstance that would like to make it all? One of, one of the things that, um, or well, there's several things I can say, to be honest with you. There are several things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll start with the mind. The first thing I'll say is that once it is that it's in your mind, once you can conceive it, you can achieve it. So once it is that you hold on to that notion, Mm. that once you can think about it, because the fact that you have that thought in your head, you have that vision in your head, it means that it came from somewhere. It it, it means that the Lord trusts you with that vision. That's what it means. And so once you can think about it, you can achieve it. The challenge is sometimes is when you're ready to achieve it. Because you have it in your mind that you're about to do it. And so when you get up to start doing it, there's going to be obstacles. I would say for children now, it's a little bit, I, I want to say it's a little bit easier, and I could be wrong, but there's really no limit in a sense based on technology, based on um, how available information is. In the Say you say, all right, I want to make, the vision came to say, I want to make a light bulb. For the younger generation now, you have at your disposal YouTube University. Right, right, right. It comes to a matter of what you use your resources to do. Mm -hmm. I started out um, in terms of hats. That's what the Lord told me to launch with, even though that wasn't what I started with. I started out with hats, just making hats for myself to go to church. Mm-hmm. Meaning, and I went on YouTube and I saw a nice one I like, and I started making hats. And it was really from a need that a lot of, depending on the church that you go to, a lot of young people want to serve God, but they don't want to look old. And so one of the things that my pastor always say, if you go to a church and the rule is to wear hats, if you don't wear hats, you're kind of rebelling. So I better if I one that don't. But there are people who would like where they are. So, actual rule? Huh? That's an it's actual rule? rule. It, it is. It, is wow. it, it, it comes from, it, it's a part of doctrine where right. for female that says there's a part in the scripture that says you're to cover your head. Right. And so for some churches, they, they, they expect you to cover your head in terms right. of once you're a Christian, um, to go in the sanctuary, you cover your head. So the Lord gave me the vision to say, why not make hats that they would want to wear? But right. then in terms of making it, because as you said, woman of virtue is kind of coming from a Christian standpoint. But there, what I found was that there was also a lot of women who were virtuous, meaning right. living a virtuous life that weren't Christians. And right. so even to go to, um, to go to the corporate function, sometimes you want to look different and you just wear a little fascinator, even to go to weddings. And I, I saw, after I started building it out, I yeah. saw the possibilities and the opportunities. 
Um, right. and, and so what I would say is that once it is in your mind, you can achieve it. That's the first thing. You have to believe that you can do it. You have to, because you see, you say once you believe, right. nobody oh, can what? change your mind. Fox, Fox, Fox. You understand That's me? You see, you see, when you don't believe, you're easily swayed. You're right. easily, you're, the doubt comes in. And I find that sometimes God wants to lead us to a space before other people get there. And, he, and, I, and I come back to what he tells you. Not everybody will get your vision because he gave you your vision right and so you are the person who sees it but it has to start somewhere the challenge is and this was something that i had to learn personally and still walking it and still learning it is that a lot of the times we see business and achievements as status right and yeah. so once we own a business we start spend before we earn that live above what the business can can manage because we have to there's this thing in jamaica that says fake it before you make it and so sometimes unfortunately a lot of business has come because to be honest with you this is not my first business venture hobby business i started out with I, I i like making things so i started out doing weddings Right. And people like nice decor, but when you come from the inner city, I used to say it, um, I'm allergic to money. People would not pay you. They want the million dollar work, but they want to give you a hundred and fifty thousand dollars budget, but you want the, the million dollar work. Mm-hmm. And so that never worked out too well in terms of it took a lot of time, and then it was an it was a business that not a lot of people shared on, so people wouldn't share with where they got the supplies from. They wouldn't share. But to be honest with you, the Lord got me into corporate where I was doing events, where mm-hmm. I would hire a decorator. So I became exposed. But when you're in events, you don't have time to do your own events mm-hmm. because you're so busy doing carpet the other thing that i tried at um was interior decorating because i love when i clean i love changing up and i love making stuff so i tried at that um my very first job that i was so excited about i mean i was i went to edna manley to be certified in doing i was so excited you know when you get your first big job i'm excited the lady was a corporate lady and i didn't um i wasn't a christian then so forgive me for my personality back then it was a different personality um she had hired me to she just bought an apartment and she hired me to do everything in there so i was doing the drapes i was doing the bed linens everything but the truth is she was living above her means and she didn't tell me so she had given me 50 percent of the deposit which again because when you know the business, when I'm making the money, me just me just want a bus, so me build my portfolio. So fifty percent of the money never right. even covered the material. But I was willing to do that. Right. When it was time for her to give me the other part of the money, um, she kept on finding faults. She find meaning like some 
first she loved it, but then she started nitpicking. And one of the things that I learned with business, and sometimes I love all customers, but the truth is if you have a customer that constantly nitpick from the beginning, sometimes it may be best if you do not. It will cost you more to keep that business than to lose it. That's right. the best way I can, I can, I can say. Because right. to try to satisfy somebody, especially when they don't know what they want, it, it takes time and it takes money. Right. You say it's customer service, but especially for a small business that you don't have the resources. And then because they don't know what they want, you might put all of that effort and they still tear it apart. Right, right, right. So, so you have to you have to kind of wait. And and I'm just telling you this because I learned from it and it really shut me down because I said, my camera. She gave me a check and when I went to the bank it bounced. And right. I guess because of, I would say, her status or personality, she was embarrassed, I guess, meaning now that I'm mature, more mature, to say she didn't have the money. Because if she had said so, being young, I'm happy. I just complete the job. And stuff. Right. But what she did, she got aggressive. And wasn't safe. So I thought the best way to embarrass her would have been just to Wait until I sat there when everybody else was there on right. our complex. We should show the drapes and all of that. And so went and took them out. No, I just went and took them out. And what that did, <laughs> I wasn't safe at the time, guys. Yeah. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> I went and I took, and I think. Me taking that, because even now I think I have the drapes and the sheets, and, and that was it. That right. is almost like that just killed that dream. Right. And so um, one of the things that I want to say is that in your passion and your enthusiasm to expand, you also have to be wise because you have to be understand that there are persons who are looking for young entrepreneurs to use. To That's use. To use. Right. I, I was on a webinar recently and the, I, I caught a little part because I can't even tell you who was saying it, but this lady was saying, she was sharing her journey and apparently she sell water. She made water and she was saying that her first experience was somebody ordered 150 cases of water and she excited and she delivered 150 cases and then she ordered another 150 and you know, she excited and by the time the third, she didn't have the money to pay her. It sounded as if it took her maybe more than a year to reclaim the money. No. Right. Remember, no, you're a young entrepreneur. You're new. Your resources and your capital are limited. But right. because you're excited, you're going to invest all of this money to meet the order. Right. And the person who have the money to pay you back. Right. means right. that the possibility exists is either you're going to have to find capital from somewhere else right. or your business is going to be in trouble. Definitely. That's what so, it means. So, you know, explaining all of this, you sound like you have a wealth of knowledge, <laughs> right? Garnered through experience, no doubt, right? Um, you know, women have virtue fashion. What is next? For women and virtue fashions. 
um, what is next? What is next? We're in transition stage. Because as I said, um, it was a hobby. It was what I did to relieve stress. And that was the other thing that I had to break myself out of. Whereas I didn't want it to become a job because it gave me joy. It is that thing that you had your freedom to create. You had your freedom to do. I mean, when everything else was stressful, I could create. Um, But then it transitioned into a business. And when it transitioned into the business, it's almost like, you know, you have something and you you say, boy, this really look nice. But then everybody come and they're looking at it and I'm like, whoa, you know, this wicked or whatever is like, the more I expose it to the world, the more I release it to other persons, they were seeing something greater than what I was seeing. Um, I must, I would want to say, it's not a perfectionist. I've prayed to the Lord for the spirit of excellence. And the thing is that when I look at the quality, for me, I'm okay with it. Right. So, put it out. I wasn't 100% okay with it. And that was also another lesson that I learned from another business that I did. I love accessories and I love shopping. So when I became a Christian and the Lord kind of told me to kind of give up some of these things, I kind of maybe bargained with him to say, all right, I won't shop my money. I would shop but sell other people. What I found was that there were persons who would take the jewelry because it was earrings and stuff, and I think they would purposely pull it apart to kind of find fault. And I guess, again, because of that experience, I didn't want to put something to the market, especially when you go social, that the quality was not the best quality that somebody right. could tear it apart. Because, you know, when you got big, right. one, it can go down. And sure. so I, I have been working on improving the quality, which, to God be the glory, I went to JBDC. Um, I remember when I was talking to you guys, you were saying that you were not aware of it. It is Jamaica right. Business Development um, Center. And... At JBDC, they have a program where they carry you through. It was for, for me, it was the design fusion. From time to time, they have different entrepreneurial programs right. that you can go on and they can guide you. They guide you through like things that the average person in the inner city would not know when you're doing your business. We tend to, as it relates to tax, we don't want to register our business. We don't want to this. We don't, you know, and again, part of it is fair. It is fair that... Um, if you register this way, but again, for me, I w- it was church I was at and we had a visiting preacher and he was saying, how can you be a Christian and ask God to bless something that you have not legalized? It was one of the sermons and mm-hmm. it made sense. Yeah. You understand me? It made sense to say you have a business and you're asking God to bless it, but you haven't registered it. And so that was also one of the push for me to get everything kind of formalize in the sense i am currently working on the line i mean covid had put a pause on it as it relates to because as creative to be honest with you 
you, you work better when your mind is at ease. You, you, you develop, you, you come up with ideas. And, and that's the other thing, the other hurdle that I have to overcome. When you're doing it for hobby, you can do it whenever you want. Right. You, you have the freedom to create. You can just get up. But when you're doing it for a business, you have to change habits. You have to formalize certain things. You have to have the resources. You have to, there, there's a lot to put in place. And so I'm actually in the building the foundation stage ensuring that, and, and, and I thank JBDC for this, ensuring that a lot of the infrastructure for the building is on properly before I put on the paint and before I put in the nice fancy light and, and stuff. So the infrastructure I'm talking about is what is your accounting system like? Right. Meaning records management. Um, how do you, you know, normally you're the small business, you collect receipt, you know, really, you know, you don't have no time to do those proper tracks. So they had introduced me to Waves. Um, the process of registration, right. where you register your name, because the truth is somebody else can take your name. We had to learn about the taxation system, meaning what is required of you, um, how to go through that. We had to learn as it relates to from a, Manufacture system, how do you cost? Which is one of the, the, the things that I think small business struggle with the most is pricing. Yeah. You price your goods for you to be competitive. Um, a major lesson that I learned, which uh, really, really impact me, is that sometimes when you're entering into the market, you try to enter low because you want the business. Right. But what I found is that sometimes when you enter low, persons want to hold you to the low. To that value. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that I started to do is ensure that I put something called a discount right. on it. So I'm not saying that you don't start low, but you... Ensure that the person understands that the value for this is $100, but at this time I'm giving you for 50 Right, right. So this, so, is, what it really, this is what it really costs. Right. But because as an introductory price, I'm yes. giving you for 50 Right. So what that does is that it gives you room to negotiate further. Because from the outset, you had declared that this is really the value of it. And the truth is, sometimes they know that the value is 100. But if yeah. you find a fool, and you can use the fool, what are you going to do? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're, going, you're going to use the fool, no? Right. Yeah, right. That, 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 is what, that is what will happen. So, so those are some of the things that I, I learned. Um, right. Learned from it as it relates mm -hmm. to the things that you need to right so for all the ladies for all the wonderful men watching listening right now how can somebody get in contact with, with shara grant and the sword shara and grant or <laughs> or women of virtue questions how okay. how can you get in contact 
with Edo. Well, they can follow me on Instagram at, at, at woman.wfashions right. um, on Instagram. Or you can call me at 374-58671. Once you go on, one of the things that I was good at is that I was good at, once you type in my name on Google, it will right. come Shara Anderson Grant. And what I gave me you in a sense. Um, and if you go on Instagram, you'll find me. But my number is 876-374-5867. Right. And just before we leave, because this has been a very, again, a very fulfilling talk to you. Right? Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Appreciate um, it. I figured out something a while yeah. ago. Right. Jason was the one that always don't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no. Like, like, Jason. Jason, you were the one that's always quiet with the two words. No, it was Dino. It was Dennis. Dennis. Sorry. Dennis. Dennis. Okay. Yeah, it was Dennis. But Char again. It has been wonderful speaking with you, you know, in, in, in the virtual studio, as you call it. You understand? Um, I am looking for more from Women of Virtue Fashion and from Shara Anderson Grant in the near future. I would love to hear more about your works, right? Thank you. Um, I do wish you best of luck and hopefully we can have this talk again. Okay. okay. <laughs> right, you take care of yourself. Have a nice day. Same to you. And, and, thanks for, and thanks for having me. And I mean, the truth is I'm really impressed with you guys as well um, as it relates to young men. And right. I, I, I want to, just like last week, <laughs> I want to, <laughs> no, I really want to encourage you because the truth is there's so much negativity that is said about our men. Um, you have to fight so much as it relates to mentally but as i said once it is that you have a definition of who you are i have this state that I've, the lord had me listening to um for a month and it is called breaking out of people prison right. and it's really very, very important because the thing is that most of us are consumed with whether it is our parents voice Right. And I'm not talking the positive ones, the negative ones. Highly pessimistic. Our pure voice. But then, with God, there's always a purpose on the inside. And some of us fighting against what God say right. to what they say. And so I always tell persons that, for me, I am as positive as I am because I decide to believe what God says about me. And what he has said about me right. is that the plans that he has towards me are good and not evil and to give me an expected end. And so even with the business with Woman of Virtue Fashion, he was the one who told me when to launch. He was the one that told me what the name is. And even with you asking me to do this podcast, you wouldn't even know that you were also a part of God's plan because um, another person had asked me to do one. But I think sometimes the Lord don't want nobody else to get his glory. 
he right. wants to ensure that he's the one that's aligned what he aligns, that when right. all is said and done, he gets all the glory. So I wish you guys all the best. Thank you. And I know I don't have to tell you that in terms of your business, um, it's in the growth stage. And so work hard now that you can retire later. I think right. uh, one of my cousins had said, or a good friend of mine, and I maybe need to put you, you guys on to, to, to one of my motivators. I'll ask him. He's an actor. He's always giving me positive ideas. Is that he had said, unfortunately, for the young black man, um, we party hard and relax in our teen, 20s, 30. And by the time we reach 35, we try to catch up for retirement. <laughs> While the other race, they work hard in the 18, 19, 20 and party in the latter. That's what hustle is all about. That, you understand? That's how it's done. But while you, while you work too, you also have to have the balance of enjoying what you work for. So it, it is finding the balance because you can't be too consumed with work. Tonight, I was on another program and I maybe should invite you guys to that as well, that they were saying that the only currency that all of us have is time. What you do at their time is either you can make you rich <laughs> or you can make you poor. That's the only currency we have. Time. When you look at somebody who is wealthy and somebody who is not, most of the time it comes back to what they do with their time. Definitely. Definitely. One words once more, Shara. I will go on and on. Definitely. <laughs> but, you know, again, wise words from somebody who has been through a myriad of experiences and sharing it here with us and with our audience. I really appreciate that. And again, I wish you much success with the future endeavors, okay? Likewise, likewise, Shara Anderson Grant, woman of virtue. Thanks for taking the time. He speaks. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Yeah. All right, thank you. So where's Dennis? I'm technical here. Te yeah, technical difficulties. Oh. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. All right, All right. bye guys. All right. Okay, thanks. <laughs>